This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Ringgit and Sense is brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia. Good morning. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense, the show all about personal finance, and I'm Sim Weeboon. Now, it may be, hard, may be hard to believe now, but the baby boomer generation has been a game changer and a major influence in the growth of developing nations for the past 50 to 60 to 70 years. Baby boomers were inventors, innovators, disruptors, creating new to the world global industries, transformative services and business models that unleashed productivity growth and raised prosperities. However, in 2023, these baby boomers will be celebrating birthdays between ages of 59 and 77. By 2030, one in six people in the world will be age 60 or over. By 2050, the world's population of uh, people aged above 60 years old will have reached 2 billion. That's globally, right? So Malaysia, of course, is no exception. And the question we have here today is what happens to Malaysia as we grow older? And do we? how do we in Malaysia and outside of Malaysia ride this silver tsunami? So joining me to discuss this is Rajan Devadasan, CEO of RD Wealth Creation, and he's also a licensed financial planner for Manual Life Investment Management Malaysia Berhad. Good morning, Rajan, and welcome to the show again. So Rajan, what's the Malaysia story? How are we heading towards an aging society? For most of my um, adult life, this year I, I'm, I, I turned 59, Malaysia has enjoyed a, a demographic dividend. We've had a young population. But about three years ago, back in 2020, Malaysia actually switched and moved across to be categorized as an aging society. And um, what that means is that back in 2020, 7% of the Malaysian population was aged 65 or older. So we were deemed to be aging. Now, based on current trends, given the fact that our fertility rates are dropping, we are greying. It isn't just that the world is greying. Malaysia is actually greying faster than the entire world is. And um, estimates, again, by the same uh, multilateral agency, estimates are that by the year 2044, which is only 21 years from now, we will move from being an aging society, which is where we are right now, to an aged society. What does that mean? It means that we've got 14% of our population over the age of 65. What does that do to the country when you have such a 14% of the population being so aged, okay. being so old? Um, so the global um, standard in terms of figuring out well where do you have a cutoff is age 65 mm -hmm. look at the um, official Malaysian retirement age right now of 60 which I believe and I've said this for quite a while is actually too low mm -hmm. I think um, you know previous administrations actually did a very good job um, shifting the retirement age for Malaysia's public sector from 55 to 56 and then from 56 to 58, and then from 58 to 60. This was done over a period of years. After the public sector had gone through this evolutionary process of moving our retirement age in one, two, in three steps to from 55 to 60, the private sector uh, saw legislation change, and in one jump, we went from 55 to 60. That was a very, very good move at that time. 
But that move, I think, was probably about a decade ago. And right now, when you realize that Malaysia isn't just moving from aging to aged, that shift is actually accelerating. On top of everything else, the the waters get muddied because locally, when you hear about you know national stats, etc., our our economists, our statisticians use age sixty. But I'd much rather just stick to international standards and use age 65. I strongly believe that with all these changes, and I'm actually going to give you one more statistic that's even more shocking, okay, but I'll hold that just for a mm-hmm. second. I believe that if Malaysia doesn't raise its official retirement age by five years, and it can be done in one step, which is kind of tough, or it can be done gradually. But if we don't raise our official retirement age by five years from 60 to 65, inside the next decade, that means sometime between 2023 and 2033, I think we're going to end up with a massive skilled labor crunch. And I think it is really important for policymakers to wake up to this reality and just try to get ahead of the curve instead of always scrambling and then trying to fix things. Because if we don't get this right, our reliance on external labor is going to continue to rise. When we get to 20% of our population over the age of 65, we will officially become a super-aged society. And you've got to ask yourself, well, what are the uh, pension mechanisms, what are the retirement funding mechanisms around the world? And basically, there are two that we look at. They are known as uh, DC and DB. DC stands for defined contribution and DB stands for defined benefit. For those of us who have EPF, who contribute to it, who try very hard to maybe add a little bit extra, um, EPF is a DC program, defined contribution. We, we give our money. I mean, there's a, there are stat, statutory um, percentages that we need to give based on our salaries, and then we can always add uh, a little bit more. Currently, as we speak, um, uh, an announcement was made that uh, the additional contributions we could make to EPF would rise from 60000 to to 100000 mm-hmm. um, The announcement came out not too long ago, but soon after that, when I actually checked, I, I saw no change on the EPF site. So I don't know whether it's gone through. But when mm-hmm. it does, what you will find is that the most successful people in Malaysia who believe that EPF is a rock-solid um, maybe not be-all and end-all of retirement funding, but certainly a major component, yep. they will be contributing to it. And yet, at the same time, because of the 145 billion ringgit that was taken out through four rounds of emergency COVID funding, if you like, um, many, many people, uh, the last time I looked at the numbers, I believe more than 6 million Malaysians had less than 10,000 ringgit in total uh, in EPF. Now, I don't know about you, but most of the people I know, um, if they happen to be flush with cash, can blow 10,000 ringgit in a weekend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know you people know like that. Right? I've seen people like that. And then it's have crazy. you seen how expensive yeah. some, some restaurants have become? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So think about it. More than 6 million people out of EPF's 15 million contributors um, and I think the uh, active ones are probably about eight or nine million or something. Um, and this, these stats are probably like six months or a year old. Um, more than six million people have less than ten thousand had less than ten thousand ringgit. Yeah. Um, of that number, 
more than 3 million had less than 1,000 ringgit. The reality is that people need to be prepared. And I've actually heard several rounds of politicians who clearly have no idea how mathematics works. And they've said things like, you know, those who have um, a lot of money in EPF should be generous and they should accept lower dividends. And then the, those with small amounts of money should get large dividends and then everything averages out. It's, it's nonsense. You've got to sit down. You've got you to sit down with a calculator or you've got to sit down with a piece of paper and you've got to start calculating. If you only have a thousand ringgit in EPF, if you only have um, uh, 10,000 ringgit in EPF, and if you know, whether you need 200,000 ringgit, 240,000 ringgit, whether you need 900,000 ringgit, whether you need 1.5 million ringgit to be able to retire well in Malaysia, depending on when you're talking, it doesn't matter whether you uh, choose to inequitably restructure the dividend range. And I certainly hope this doesn't happen. I'm not advocating it. I think it's a bad idea. Yes. But I'm saying that those who have, say, a thousand ringgit or five thousand or ten thousand, if they rejig everything and they start giving instead of let's say an average of five percent, let's say you start giving them eight percent or nine percent, etc. And those who have actually contributed the real money, whose money is used to make up more money, and if they are inequitably penalized and they end up getting only four percent or three percent, Think about the impact. If you've only got 5,000 ringgit and you get, um, let's say, something unbelievable like a 9% EPF, um, according to the rule of 72, 72 divided by 9, that's 8, 8 years. Um, on your 5,000 ringgit, 8 years from now, with 9%, you grow to 10,000. What are you going to do with that? So this is untenable. Yep. The real Makes solution no is to actually help Malaysians by allowing them to work longer officially. And if we raise our official retirement age from 60 to 65, remember I said that in my opinion, it's only my opinion, we're going to give a whole cohort of older individuals an opportunity to work longer, to build up retirement savings. Now, you know, the unions keep coming out and saying, no, 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 we shouldn't do that because it's going to make it more difficult for younger people to get jobs. I really need to stop and think about this now. If you are 20 or 25 years old entering the workforce, what is the likelihood that you're going to take a job from a 65-year-old or from yeah. a 64-year-old? Should you not be operating at different levels? You know, capitalism in the recent decades has got a very, very bad name. But I think what we need to do is actually look at stakeholder capitalism. So it isn't just the shareholders who rip everybody else off, or rip off everybody else. But if you have stakeholder capitalism and you think about this, then you want to take care of your customers because ultimately that's where the money comes mm -hmm. from. You really want to take care of your employees. You know, a lot of people just pay lip service to the fact that um, our best assets are our human capital. Lip service. If that were truly true, you would try and hang on to your very best people. All right, we're going to take a short break for some messages. So stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Stay tuned for Ringgit and Sense, brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia. Welcome back. You're tuned in to Ringgit and Sense. I'm Sim Weeboon, and today's topic is on the ageing Malaysia and how to ride the global silver tsunami. Joining me to discuss this is Rajan Devadasan, CEO of RD Wealth Creation. He's also a licensed financial planner with Manu Life Investment Management Malaysia Berhad. Okay, Rajan, before the break, we were talking about the general societal impact of an aging nation. 
But what about the personal impact? To live in a country that's getting older, the people are getting, the, the people are aging. What does that do to my wallet? Um, to answer that question, do you remember I touched on the two types of retirement funding programs, mm, DC, DC and DB? Yes. Decide, uh, defined contribution and defined benefit. Now, with a population of about, I don't know, 33, 34 million people right now in Malaysia, we have 1.7 million civil servants. Um, the newer civil servants coming in no longer qualify for pensions. They are on EPF. Now, Singapore woke up to this reality, I think, probably 15, 20 years ago. I'm not sure exactly. But I do know that America, uh, sorry, Singapore civil, civil servants have CPF. Uh, they're not on a pension. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, from a contractual perspective, um, everyone who was promised a pension must be paid a pension. That, that, that's only fair. It's only equitable. But you've got to ask yourself, and I'm answering this, you know, younger individual, older individual perspective. If you qualify for a pension, you continue to work in the government, you qualify for a pension, then you know that when you stop work, the pension will be paid. But let me ask you, Sim, the government's going to pay the pension. Where does the money come from? The money comes from tax collections, correct? Yep. Okay. So to be able to continue to pay... Um, current salaries of civil servants as well as promised pensions down the road for life. Um, and I do not begrudge pensioners. Don't get me wrong. They get it. They deserve it. They Absolutely. Work for it. Yeah. Not, yeah. And also um, the, the setup in which they work probably paid them lower than market rates, private sector rates. But the trade-off is that they earn their pension. I'm not begrudging anyone anything. All I'm saying is that around the world, every developed nation is technically bankrupt. Not us, huh? developed nation. Almost every developed nation. Singapore's developed is not bankrupt. <laughs> uh, every de- almost every developed nation is technically bankrupt because of, this is a very powerful phrase, unfunded future pension obligations. What do we do then? To prepare, let's say, okay, you know, at the end, of the, I think we've had conversations previously before, and you've said that you no, know, don't rely on the government to take care of yourself, take care of yourself by yourself. Right? Even if you're a civil servant and exactly. you have a contractual right to receive a pension, I think it's wonderful. Yeah. I would say treat it as icing on the cake, but do stuff yourself as well. So, for yourself, what are the stuff that you have to do yourself? Provided that we are on track to this aging nation, age society, super age society. As individuals? As, as individuals. What can right. I do if, if it doesn't get addressed? Because we all assume that maybe, you know, the government raise the retirement age, will address issues. But let's say nothing changes and we are on the railroad track towards a very old nation, a nation with very old people. What can I do to protect myself? Got it. Exercise personal fiscal responsibility, F-I-S-C-A-L. Now, a lot of people hear the word fiscal and think, well, it sounds like financial. It must be exactly the same. It's not. The word fiscal actually means budgetary. So if we were to exercise fiscal responsibility for yourself, first thing we would do is make sure that we operate with the budget. And um, those who do operate with the budget worldwide uh, do so in one of two ways. The budget's in my brain or the budget's on paper or somewhere uh, written down. And uh, so if you have a budget but it's in your brain, congratulations, you're better off than those who have no budget. But if it's on your brain, I would strongly advocate that you move it on and make sure, uh, move it down and make sure it's written. Now, whether it be written um, on, with pen and paper 
or whether it be you tapping away on your computer on an Excel spreadsheet, I would suggest working on that. As you think through your monthly budget line items, you want to consider your personal cash flow pattern, cash inflow, cash outflow. And your question was, what should we do? All of us should really try our level best to spend less than we make, save and invest the difference, and do it for a long time. If we continue to do that, and if we also invest in the resource that is going to give you the absolute highest ROI, which is your brain, if you will commit to spending a portion of your monthly budget, maybe maybe 2%, maybe 3% of your uh, gross cash inflow on improving yourself. That means you don't hang about waiting for your employer to send you for some course mm-hmm. or whatever else. Take it up yourself. You, you pay. Mm-hmm. You smile. Or you buy learn. a book. Yeah. Or even get a book. You know? y- yes, absolutely. Yeah. You, you, you buy trade journals, you study them, you buy books, you read them, you write in the margins, you engage in conversation, you hire uh, appropriate consultants to help you uh, raise your game. Um, you, you try to be the very best that we can. In, in, a, in an earlier segment, we were actually talking about the fact that, you know, if you don't like your job, you know, my recommendation is change your track. Go find a lane. Mm-hmm. But once you find a lane where you can contribute, try to be the very best. Yes. It may be initially just be the very best in your village, then in your town, then in your city. And then There's why not levels. try and be the very best in Malaysia? Uh, beyond that, why not try to be the very best in ASEAN, the very best in the Asia pack? Um, Try and become the best in the world, or at least one of the best in the world. Aim, set your targets high. And I think if you pursue success um, along those lines, then um, everything will come out in the wash. You will end up, again, coming back to defined contribution and defined benefits. If you already have a government pension, you are going to enjoy a DB program, a defined benefit. The defined benefit is your pension payment, either current or going to come soon. But the vast majority of Malaysians don't have the option for DB. All we can do is defined contribution. And so um, maybe get very serious about EPF and then also adding more than you need to on a personal voluntary basis. Um, starting your own savings program, starting your own investment program. In a diff- at a different time, you and I have actually spoken about the different reasons for saving and investing money. Mm-hmm. I want to just recap. There are two key reasons for saving money. Number one, we save money to grant us financial stability. Yes. But even more important than having financial stability is having emotional stability. Mm. And the way that we get emotional stability is to make sure that we have a large enough stable cash pile so that even if our at-risk investment portfolio tumbles because the markets go down temporarily, etc., you're still rock solid. Now, two reasons, the two main reasons for uh, putting together an investment portfolio are to try and grow your money faster than inflation erodes its purchasing power. And secondly, to 
to try and grow your money faster than taxes erode your purchasing power. So saving and investing are similar but not identical. They have, they both have dual thrusts, but those two thrusts, those two sets of thrusts are different. And we really have to wake up to the fact that we can't expect the government to come and rescue us. You've only got yourself to rely on at the end of the day. But with that, we've reached the end of our conversation for today's Ringgit and Sense. I've been speaking to Rajan Devadasan, CEO for RD Wealth Creation. He's also a licensed financial planner with Manulife Investment Management Malaysia Berhad. Join us again next week for more discussions on personal finance. We've got the 10am news bulletin coming up next, followed by Enterprise. I'm Sim Weeboon from The Morning Run, BFM 89.9. Ringgit and Sense is brought to you by Sun Life Malaysia, your lifetime insurance and takaful partner. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.